There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Senior Hortensio, thus it stands with me. Antonio, my father, is deceased. And I have thrust myself into this maze, happily as best I may to thrive and wive. To thrive and wive. Why? Saidst thou? Hello and welcome to The Plays The Thing. You have joined us for The Taming of the Shrew, Act 2, and you just heard the actor Richard Burton playing the role of Petruchio in The Taming of the Shrew. My name is Tim McIntosh. I'm Nora Ankrum. And I'm Matt Bianco. And we're so glad that you joined us for Act 2. You guys, welcome back. I really loved what you guys said in Act 1, and now we're going to say more delightful things in Act 2. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> That's kind of a hard one to say thank you to, isn't it, Nora? Like, am I being like really thank self-congratulatory you? if I say thank you? Uh, yeah, I really was. Tim, I was really brilliant. You're welcome very much. Um, part of the reason we said this in um, the Act 1 episode, part of the reason that I wanted each of you guys to come on is you kind of have different views of this play. And I thought before we get into um, the plot discussion and a few questions that I want to discuss, I wonder if you guys would be willing to kind of do a little bit of a review of your views on this play. And I'd like to start with you, Matt. Your view is um, generally favorable, despite the fact that this is fair or unfair the um, play that levels the charge of misogyny against Shakespeare most frequently. Um, but you, you're not buying it, are you? Um, <laughs> no, I'm not buying it. And 
Thanks do you feel like I just set you? Did I just really set you set up, up really there, badly? Yeah. yeah. Now it feels like. Yeah, well, you did. Yeah. You are a misogynist, Matt. <laughs> no, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I just so trust in your rhetorical powers that I felt like I like I could give you know I could really press hard against you and completely load the scales against you, and you're going to still present like a balanced, fair, convincing case. So when you're I'm welcome. done, will you say congratulations? <laughs> Then I can say, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I'll just recap what I said at the end of the show last time. Yeah. Because I think the induction helps frame my take. I think in the induction, we see a scenario where Christopher Sly is not a good person. And then he is treated deceitfully, but he is treated like he is a good person. Like, mm in whatever sense they meant it, but you know, he's a Lord, he's an aristocrat, he's being treated that way. And then very quickly he begins acting like that. And then I think then it shifts from that into this play in which the play I'm arguing is showing us that same thing, that if we treat people as they ought to be treated or Mm. as they, according to their real nature, then they will act, according to it but if we treat them like something other than what they are then they kind of devolve into that and then at the same time on the flip side of that what we see in the play the taming of the shrew part of it the the courting part of it we don't see this in the induction part of it but in this part of it we see that the person who does the treating um may be treating that person a sort in this nicer way for a for a different set of reasons but then they began actually feeling toward that person in that way. So now, so to frame it with respect to the, to the Tame of the Shrew, I think that Kate has been treated in a way that makes her behave unkindly. Um, that, that, that she's been treated as if she's an unkind person for so long that she has become a genuinely unkind person or an unpleasant person. Mm-hmm. And that Petruchio comes along for less than noble reasons, less than noble motives, as we heard in the opening scene, right? He's there to thrive and wive, right? Um, he has less than noble reasons, but in because of those reasons, he begins treating her like a queen, and she begins acting like a queen. He treats mm-hmm. her like one who's loved. She begins mm-hmm. acting like one who lo- who's loved. And in treating her as one who loves her and who is one who thinks of her as a queen, he begins feeling love toward her and begin feeling like she's a queen. That's my general yeah. hermeneutical framework as yeah. it were. So it's less misogynistic and more troglodyte. No. <laughs> it's I'm going to ask you to explain, but you're not going to stand by that. No, of course not. Cause it's, you know, troglodyte is a caveman, but um, <laughs> it's less misogynistic and more of, of, of treating people in a certain way. I mean, treating them according to how they ought to be treated. But, but I will say that, that because of, of where she's coming from and where she's going to, that it looks, um, and I think this is part of Shakespeare's brilliance, I guess, or part of his, the fun he's having. Um, it looks like what we might want to call misogyny. Mm-hmm. We might be inclined to call misogyny. I remember hearing a story Um, this is back in the days where, um, this is just 
this is back in the days where, uh, what's the word when the father of the bride would a dowry when dowries were in effect. And there was this very poor man who had met a woman that he wanted to marry. And he goes to, um, the woman's father and it's actually a kind of reverse dowry. He has to pay. The father's not going to pay him. He has to pay. And he says, you know, what is the bride price? And the father says, five cattle. And the man says, I'll give you 50. And then his friend hears about this. The groom's friend hears about this. And he said, wait, the father said five, you gave him 50. Why? And the groom said, because I wanted a 50 cattle wife. I didn't want a five cattle wife. The idea being she's going to know what the price was. I wanted her to know the esteem that I had for her. And that means that I pay more than was required. And I, to me, that sounds a little bit about like what your argument is. Is it not, Matt? Right. Right. Because the system makes that still sound bad, right? You're buying a wife for right, right. With the head of cattle, right? Um, but within the system, he did something that I think was very honoring and esteeming. Yeah. Nora, your view, and, and I'm not asking Nora for a point counterpoint to Matt's point of view. I mean, if you want to do that, of course, I just think like before the show started, like, what was your view? What, what did you, what was your take on Taming of the Shrew? Yeah. Well, I, like I said before, I really do want to be wrong about it. I, I very much don't want to win this one. Uh, but, <laughs> but, and and I can see all of those points and, and I like, um, the conversation we had in the last, uh, in the last episode about carding specifically, because I think it did a lot to, um, to place the story, uh, you know, in a, in a particular time period and that kind of stuff makes me buy it a little bit more. Um, but I would still say that I don't, it, it's, it's very, to me still, it's very time specific. Um, like mm-hmm. it works in this particular time and in this particular setting. Um, and, and it honestly, um, well, I'll get to that in a second, but all of the, uh, you know, treat someone how they should be treated, you know, treat them up so that they rise to that. I think that works except towards the end of the play where I don't think it works. I and, see. uh, yeah. Uh, so in the scene that we're going to discuss today, I think it definitely works um, in the the initial meeting scene between Kate and Petruchio. And and in some ways, I see Petruchio treating Kate in a better way than certainly uh, anybody else in the play, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the other scenes are still a problem for me. So we'll probably tackle those when we get there. And I, I feel like the the setting of the the big problem in that it it probably would have been a lot, the message maybe that Shakespeare was trying to get across maybe would have been a lot more clear at the time than it is now. It reminds me a lot of um, the treatment of uh, Malvolio in um, Twelfth Night. Night? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think at the end of that show, you know, Malvolio has been (laughs) brutally physically abused and it's, it's a hard, I have a hard time finding it funny or even making mm-hmm. it funny as, as mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in that show and it's hard because I, I feel like in the time it would have been like, Oh, that's hilarious. That's so funny. And now it's like, ah, oh, man, I'm not sure that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah. So that, that's the scenes toward the end are, are the ones that are still problematic for me that I, I wouldn't necessarily say 
misogynistic, more, um, I mean, I, kind of abusive, mm-hmm. right on the surface, but also the, the posture that, uh, you know, Petruchio is there to kind of teach her a lesson and, you know, the thrive and wife thing is, is a little bit, it's hard to hear that. And then this guy, this guy's the one that's going to teach her the lesson. Right. You know? <laughs> right. So that's, that's kind of where I am. Nora, I wonder if you find yourself with this play in a position that I kind of felt like when we discussed Merchant of Venice and the position in Merchant of Venice that I found myself in was, I love William Shakespeare. I love him. I think he's one of the most humane writers like that I've come across in all of the literature reading that I've done. And there's this charge in Merchant of Venice that it's an anti-Semitic play or that it kind of winks at anti-Semitism. And because I love Shakespeare so much, and I'm going to assume you are like, you helped found the West Virginia Shakespeare festival that you are also a fan of Shakespeare. I find myself wanting to defend him, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I don't want to acknowledge the possibility that he's anti-Semitic or that he was anti-Semitic or that he was, misogynist in some way. And so I automatically kind of like put like adopt this defensive mood when really I just have to kind of like acknowledge the possibility that one of my favorites of all time had flaws. It's right. I just got to be open. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, he was, he was located in a particular time in a particular yeah. place and that was going to influence him in whatever ways that is. But I don't know that that takes away from him as a writer. It doesn't for me. Yeah. 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 I, it doesn't either. Um, it does. I just have noticed in myself this reluctance to criticize him because of, you know, the things that he says that are so meaningful and powerful to me that I kind of want to put my arm around him and be like, Hey, I know you didn't mean it. Maybe you didn't (laughs) even say it, you know, let's, let's talk about act two. So act two opens with, um, what do you know? Kate's in a fight. Kate's in a fight with her uh, sister, Bianca. She's tied her hands together and is basically trying to beat her because Bianca won't tell her which of the suitors that she prefers. Father comes in, tries to break up the fight. This just only makes Katerina more upset. Both sisters take off. And then this big group comes in. It's a bunch of bros. They come in, it's a bunch of gentlemen who are like on their way to the pub and they all come in and they're basically making their pitch about their plan. So Petruchio is with Hortensio, who's dressed as a schoolmaster. Petruchio is going to be, of course, the wooer of Kate. Grimio is with Lucentio. Lucentio is also dressed as a schoolmaster. Tranio, who's dressed as Lucentio is with Biandello, who is dressed as his servant. If you're confused, you're not alone. It's, I mean, I found it to be like a really confusing scene. It's not just because it's in Elizabethan English, but everybody is pretending to be somebody else. Um, and the wooing kind of begins now. Um, I, I want to ask you guys a question. What do we make of all the disguising? I mean, in the play... The very opening of the play is Christopher Sly, who is um, 
he doesn't take on a disguise. He has a disguise kind of put on him by these servants of the house. You know, they kind of make him out to be this grand lord when he's just a common folk. Um, everybody in this play, ex- it seems, except for Petruchio and Kate, Kate's father, Baptista, and Kate's sister, Bianca, is wearing a disguise. So, and they're wearing a disguise in the process of wooing. And part of this is just fun stagecraft, but part of it makes, it makes me think, is there something more going on here? Are, are these disguises actually kind of a, commenta- a, a commentary on the nature of wooing itself? You know, like is courtship an elaborate ritual of deception, I guess is my point. So I'd like mm-hmm. for each of you to talk about your, relation, your personal relationships now. no i mean actually if you want to that'd be great i think that audiences would probably enjoy that but is shakespeare making a point about the nature of wooing like we put on masks is that what's going on nobody wants to um, to speak no one wants to like ruin our romantic like right well you got the whole much ado about nothing thing right that's the same Same setting, right? I mean, same situation. With, although it's it's a uh, it's it's more expected, right? Because they're at a dance or at a gathering where you're supposed to be in disguise, mm. and they're they're pretending they're different people under the disguise as they woo for other people. Uh, here, they're just straight up disguising themselves outside of an expected disguise. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I want to add something to that, Matt. Romeo and Juliet. First time they meet, disguise. Twelfth hmm. night, so Twelfth much night. of the romantic intrigue of that play is disguise. It, it just makes me think that some of his really great romances, whether they're comedies or maybe you know, or tragedies, this is a theme. It seems mm-hmm. with Shakespeare. Sorry to interrupt, Matt. Please. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, that's good. Uh, I don't even know all the different places where. Shakespeare uses disguise in romantic escapades or whatever. But um, I mean, I don't really know the answer to the question. Like, I don't know if, if it's um, how did you say, is it a commentary on the nature of wooing is, Mm -hmm. is courtship itself an elaborate ritual of deception? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. You know, I was, I was, I was, um, I mean, I tried to be somebody that, that, my wife would want to marry until she married me. And then it was just me. <laughs> so, I mean, no, but like, it's weird though. Right. Because I'm not, it's like, I'm even self-deceptive, right? Like I'm not even aware that I'm modifying my behavior in the courting wooing process. Yeah. And then, and then once it's over and it's not like, Oh, it's over now. Whew. I can be my real self. And like, I loosen my belt. And, yeah. 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 The yeah. mask comes off. Right. Yeah. It's just that it's, it just happens. Right. Like I begin I begin not feeling the pressure to win. So then I can be a little bit lazier and a little bit dirtier and whatever, you know, whatever my true nature is. I don't need to go into all that here. This isn't confession, Um, (laughs) but I I don't know. I mean, it seems like, it seems like it's the reality I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. My wife didn't of course did any of that. She was, Perfect when I met her, and she's still perfect after I met her. Well this done. Is record, this is being recorded, right? Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I was well, actually thinking think? of it. Yeah, I was thinking of it differently. Um, and I, I don't. 
I was kind of comparing it to some of the others that you mentioned. I was thinking of Twelfth Night. I was also thinking of As You Like It, um, yeah. which again, yeah, um, when Rosalind is is in disguise as um, I can't remember her masculine name, either. but it's yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah um, too, and she falls in love with Orlando. And um, but in all of those circumstances, I think that the disguise uh, it, it makes them. Uh, kind of takes away that it, it almost takes away that need to to stretch or to to be to have the mask on right and then they get to know each other in this more intimate way right a more personal way and then hey it's okay i'm a woman we can be in love you know mm-hmm. um right because that's that's uh, as you like it that's um 12th night as well so in those kind of ways it's almost like the disguise lets them be a little bit more real Yes. Yeah, but here yes. that's not the case. So uh-huh. I I don't know. It's an interesting comparison, at least. So it is kind of though, right? Because doesn't I mean in the wooing, he you know when he's when they're tutoring Bianca, what they're actually saying to her is the truth about who, they're telling her the truth of who they are. Yeah, right? that's true. Even that's though true. The, so the disguise is really more for papa right for baptista to get in the door outside. yeah yeah right to get in the door okay yeah I so, there, there, so sorry but i think nora's that you're right and you're right in that sense right they're they're the, the disguise allows them to go to bianca and be more yeah. honest with her right then yeah yeah it allows for the the actual uh you know conversation or relationship yeah. to, to happen as the only single person that's currently on this podcast, um, I'm hopefully the only person that's like actually dating. And I met a woman recently and we like, we really hit it off. And we had both read this book called The Course of Love by Elaine de Baton. Great, great book. And he suggests, he's like, you know, if you really want to have like a long lasting, healthy relationship, you should actually start by talking about the ways that you're crazy. Like you should just get it out in the open as soon as possible. Cause it's going to show up sooner or later. Just talk about it at the beginning. So she had also read this book and that really stuck with her also. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's talk about the ways that we're crazy. And I found myself and I, there was like a particular thing. There were a couple of things that I really wanted to kind of like, highlight about myself. And I was even massaging that I was putting on a skies and I was like, I'm going to let you know how I'm crazy, but it's also going to be that question in the interview where you say, my biggest weakness is that I'm a workaholic and a perfectionist at work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're like, okay, I care okay. too much. Yeah. I care too much to, about yeah. pleasing my employer. I just can't <laughs> turn off the switch, you know? And so it, it made me think I was, and she, and it's so funny because she said the exact same thing. She's like, here's the way I'm crazy. And then about a week later, she was like, man, I totally massaged that. I really made it sound really convincing. And I was like, because this is the nature of the beginning of any sort of relationship. You have to, you don't have to. You don't want to start with the bad stuff. And I think it's kind of actually smart to not start with the bad stuff. You just got to get to it eventually and not pretend it's not there. I don't know. It's been padded with all the positive stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So <laughs> the padding helps with the fall. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't inflict as much damage when the fall happens. I, I had an old pastor that told me a story once about um, 
a, a young lady that came back to church and it was, uh, you know, she was off to college. So she comes back to, to home to, for, to visit for the weekend or something. And she's at church and she brings her boyfriend with her and her boyfriend falls asleep the entire sermon. Mm. And so afterwards she goes to the pastor, you know, the pastor's at whatever at the door, shaking hands, you know, greeting people on their way out or something. And she goes to the pastor and she kind of gets them and kind of gets up close and says, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, John fell asleep during the service, um, during your, during your sermon. It wasn't a commentary on your sermon. He was, you know, he's in law school and he's in doing this and he's got two jobs and he's da 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 and he's just super tired and he's overworked and made all these excuses for yeah. his, his yeah. Uh, bad behavior. And then she left, you know, the pastor was like, well, no big deal. I understand da da da. And they left. And then as he was telling us the story, he said, what was, what was interesting is that that young lady had a habit of complaining about other people falling in church all the time. Huh. And so all these other people in church who fall asleep, she's unwilling to, to <laughs> excuse their behavior. But now when this guy that she loves falls asleep, she's able to excuse all the behavior. And I think that's kind of what you're describing, right? It's like, we want that love there first so that they can understand our behavior. Yeah. And make sense of it. And yeah. even, you know, love covers a multitude of sins kind of a thing, right? Whereas they just don't have thinking that love that. yet. No. Yeah. All that other stuff is just stuff to complain about. Yeah. Right. right. So like when I mean, like off the air, like last week, I never once complained about Nora. I thought she was great, but Tim I complained about the whole time. <laughs> just wait till you know me a little bit longer. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it'll get even it'll get even worse or even or any even better. <laughs> way worse. You, way, way worse. worse. Yeah. Saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's my question. My question's about Kate. Does Kate want to be married? Does she want to be married? Yes. Okay. Nor do you agree? Yes. <laughs> so we have the, I think the yes. only source of disagreement is that Matt's yes had a period at the end. Nora's had a question mark at the end. Nora, can you say what makes you, what made you put the question mark there? I, I do. I do think she wants to be married. I think she's, she's really jaded and I think she's, she's pretty damaged um, by the, by the people that have not treated her very well and the people that have uh, grown her into a shrew. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I do. I, I think she wants to be married. I think it's just a little bit more complicated for her than it is for Bianca. And what do you think? What's describe the nature of the complications for her? Um, Bianca is the complication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. Uh, I think. I think the villain in this this play is Baptista. I think the father is is a lot to blame here. He has set these two sisters against themselves, against you know one another, and. Um, I think Kate has a lot of reason to be angry with both of them, with, with Baptista first and initially, and then also with Bianca. Um, I mean, even the beginning of this scene where, you know, she's mad at her. She's like, oh, who do you love most? I mean, she's got all these suitors chasing after her and no one's chasing after Kate. Right. They're calling her a shrew. Right. So she's got some more baggage to unpack than perfect Bianca, who's got the suitors perfect yeah exactly mm -hmm. it's got the mm -hmm. suitors you know running out the lined up out the door um so yeah i think uh i think if you can get rid of that and maybe that's what petruchio is attempting to do is get past all of that baggage and um background uh then yeah i think 
she probably does want to be married. Yeah. Yeah. This act has, um, the first meeting between Petruchio and Kate, but before we see them together, and it's one of the great comedic scenes in Shakespeare, I think, the two of them together. It is great. I've directed the scene a couple of times. It is so fun to direct, especially when you get really energetic actors, you know, who really want to go for it and understand the roles. It is so much fun for them to perform. Before we get to that, though, we have this scene where Petruchio goes for a walk with Baptista, the father, and he assures Baptista that he has ability. Like, don't worry about me being able to woo Kate. Let me tell you what I got. And I actually want to play this. So this is Richard Burton again um, speaking to Baptista and telling him that he does not woo like a babe. Petruchio is my name, Antonio, son, a man well-known throughout all Italy. (laughs) Now, sir, if I get your daughter's love, what dowry shall I have with her as wife? Uh, After my death, the one half of my land... And in possession for 20,000 crowns. I am as peremptory as she, proud-minded. And where two raging fires meet together, they do consume the thing that feeds their fury. Though little fire grows great with little wind, yet extreme gusts will blow out fire and all. So I to her, and so she yields to me, for I'm rough and woo not like a babe. (laughs) That was Petruchio telling Kate's father, hey, he, I'm going to be successful. I am as preemptory as she is proud-minded, and where two raging fires meet together, they do consume the thing that feeds their fury. Um, so he's confident, is Petruchio, he is going to be successful. And he goes in to meet Kate, and we have this dynamite explosion between the two of them. It is like... Have you ever performed or directed this scene, Nora? No, I'd love to. I think it'd be so much fun. I think there's this, when when you just read the text, you can just read the fire in their text. There's so much going on and you could all, you can play it really energetic and also like almost kind of violent. Um, You could play it kind of really, really cat and mouse where you have the, you know, the actors kind of like, across the stage from each other most of the time. You can play it in a whole host of different ways. It's especially fun for younger actors because Kate, I think, must slap Petruchio at some point. She must slap Petruchio. I just don't think there's any... The text just kind of, it demands it in one central place. I think just the whole tenor of the scene demands it. I want to talk about the language in this scene because these are two... They're not just fiery characters. They're also eloquent characters. And Kate knows that she, Kate wants to put up a fight. Petruchio wants to succeed. Everything, the stakes are really high for both of them. I want to talk about the language. Um, What do you make of it? Is it straightforward? 
is it ambiguous? Are they being, are they actually being honest with each other? Are they lying to each other? Is it a little bit of all of these things? What do you guys think? Uh, you just mean over the, over the, over the course of this, this whole exchange, not like yeah. specific passages or whatever. I mean, yeah. unless they're needed, for example, um, the phrase that I would use or the, the term I would use is, is the, I, the term that comes to mind for me is equivocating. Yeah. Uh, huh. But it's like, yeah. equiv- it's like equivocational testing. Like she's twisting his words, equivocating on his words in order to challenge him. And then he's equivocating back to stand up to the challenge. He, she's testing him. Are, do you have the wit to keep up with me? And he's saying, I do. But he's doing it the way she, she he's passing the test, I think. Absolutely. You think he's passing the test? Yeah. Zoe said, yeah, yeah. You agree, Nora? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. This, these are evenly matched characters uh-huh. here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. She, if, 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 if we accept Nora's statement from the previous segment uh, that Baptiste does the, um, the bad guy, what, what was the, the, the villain? The villain. Yeah. Um, if he's the villain, then, then, um, it stands to reason, I think, that he has not loved her. Mm. Like he's he's the villain mm. in that he's turned her into the shrew that she appears to be, and um, the unpleasant person that she appears to be, and that he's done that by mistreating her in some way, either either by just withholding love or by. Putting, turning all of his love toward Bianca or speaking badly to her, speaking badly about her. Um, I think at one point she accuses him of trying to prostitute her to any oh, town yeah. that will have her, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so all of that is happening. And so there's this there's this sense then, like if I can psychologize for a second, um, but hopefully not in a way that's like, I'm like reading back and imposing anything on Shakespeare. But um but I think like in, in human nature that, that if, if we feel like we're not loved and we feel like nobody has ever loved us, then when somebody comes along who, who claims they will love us or, or tries to love us, it's hard for us to believe that, right? And so then we have to put up tests. Absolutely. Um, put, put tests forward, right? To, to, to make them prove, I will love you even through this. Mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. love you even beyond this. Or, or maybe it's yeah. not love, maybe it's, you know, protect, right? I, I will protect you or I can protect you or whatever, right? Whatever the, whatever the, the thing is here, I think here, I think it might be love. And so she's lived her whole life. If Baptiste is the villain, not having been loved. And, and then Patricio comes along and acts like he's going to be the one to love her. Then she's going to test him, make sure. And, and part of that would mean being able to keep up with her, with her, the her abilities, of her, wasp, her tongue, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you, you see it a similar way, Nora. Um, I do. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. do see it kind of as a test. But I think, um, I think I'm reading this scene a lot, a lot lighter, actually. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, like it, I mean, at first, I, I think she comes on. You know, he, he lays it on pretty thick in the first paragraph, and, and she bites back at him. But then I think it's, I think it's fun for both of them mm-hmm. after that, and I think mm-hmm. it's really flirtatious. Um, I can definitely see a lot of 
uh, flirting and laughing and um, I'm imagining the, you know, the staging of a, a scene like this and um, yeah. perhaps having them almost like circling one another, um, you know, from opposite sides of the stage, like you mentioned, but yeah, I, I think it, um, I think when they, I think maybe they both realize they're matched towards the beginning of the scene uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then it's enjoyable. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think probably for the rest of the play, that's really necessary um, to kind of establish in this scene that, uh, that they really do like each other, maybe even I love each other. Completely agree. It's when I've directed this, I've directed it with young actors. And I think at least for me, when I was, for me, I think it's a little bit easier to show anger because it's, it a, is, it's, it's yeah. not, you don't have to be vulnerable up there and right. <laughs> to kind of like express genuine romantic feelings for somebody demand yeah. some vulnerability. So the young actors in my experience want to play this really angry Yeah, and you can miss exactly what you're saying, Nora, they like each other. Yeah. They like each other. You know, there's yeah. no way coming out of this scene that we can't see that there's at least a glimmer of genuine feeling for each other. For me, the question is kind of like, okay, when do they discover it? And yeah. I hear you, Nora, like kind of early. I, I, I mean, you could play around with it, but uh, I would yeah. think earlier would be better because it gives more room for, uh, not just for playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think when I read it, I hadn't thought about it, how I was reading it, like the emotions behind it. Like, I mean, I've never thought to articulate it even in my mind, much less with my lips. Um, but when you said that, now I'm wondering, and I think as I, re- as I read it, I read him as playful and jesting and her as angry. Mm. Um, but not, but, but not angry. Like I hate this man and I'm going to get rid of him but more angry, but like a, 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 there's a coyness to it or something, right? Like, like, like part is part of that testing maybe, right? Like she's, she's being angry to test, but is he gonna, is he gonna stand there and take it? And then as, and then it, it like starts wearing down as it were maybe and, and becoming more playful and more, uh, well, more playful and jesting or joking, you know, teasing on her part. So that, yeah. But like, so even from the beginning, I could see what you're describing as the, you know, them circling around each other. Um, but then her tone is coming across angry, but maybe her body language isn't. Right. Right. And then, but then he's, his, his tones may be coming across serious, but his body language is playful or so, you know, like he's, you know, he's trying to act like he's not playing a game, but he is, I don't know. It's something like that, you know? I think it's like one of the real, that's one of the funnest parts about acting is when the words and the belief kind of don't correspond and you have to get both of those across. That's just so much fun. And this is, I think this is part of the reason that this scene is so fun to play. You know, it's just so fun to perform this scene. So there's no way in your minds when she says, she, she's, oh, he says upon Sunday is the wedding day. Petruccio does. Petruccio does. And then she says, I'll see thee hanged on Sunday first. There's no way she means that. 
Okay, I, I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. And the reason it's going to sound like that is because I'm probably contradicting myself. <laughs> but the movie that I've pulled these two sections, these two bits of audio from, um, 1960s version of Taming of the Shrew, Elizabeth Taylor plays Kate, her oft husband, oft like ex-husband, Richard Burton, is Petruchio. They play this scene so angrily. Nora, I wonder what you would think Mm. of it. They play it so angrily. And the first time we get a glimpse that Kate might have feelings for him is when she closes the door to end the scene. Mm. And then you kind of see her kind of like think, oh, what was that? I liked that, you know? Okay. But it's it's almost brutal. It's almost kind of like slap. It's slapsticky. You know, there's like logs falling on each other, and she's chasing him, and he's chasing her. It's just kind of it's wild. And it's not until the scene ends that the possibility of kind of like genuine mm. romance kind of like flowers for her. Um. So I do think Matt, there's a way to do it that way where she means like where she actually is like no way. I'm you know there's no way we're ever going to be married. Or you can play it like she's kind of like, there's no way we're going to get married. Please, I hope that happens on Sunday. There's no way we'll get married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big wink. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But and I think, um, I mean, she's really disappointed when he doesn't show up on time, right? Is that in this mm-hmm. act? That might be the next act. Next act. Um, I think it's the next act. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously she's she's got something staked on it, right? Yeah. I yeah. think um, I think as an actress, it, it would be really fun to show Kate softening and and um, being malleable in this scene, you know, to go from the harsh testing, like, who are you? What are you what are you here mm-hmm. for? And then to, to at the end of it, like, so you hanged first. Fine. Uh huh. You know, yeah. That that kind of thing. But I also think it's important that we see a change in Petruchio in this scene as well, you know, because he comes in all wive and thrive. And um, if we are to buy that he is indeed not the villain, that Baptista is the villain, that um, mm-hmm. we need to see him actually like, oh, man, I, I came in to just conquer this woman and I might actually like to be married to this woman. Yeah. You know, we yeah. kind of need to see that develop, too, which I think is maybe harder for an actor playing Petruchio than for the actress playing Kate. It might be harder. How come? Um. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I guess, uh, I guess it's easier to, to pull back from anger. Like, mm. like you were saying, uh, you know, anger is the go-to. It's the initial um, mm-hmm. motivator. A lot of times for actors, it is for me for sure. Um, and to show that kind of pulling back and softening than to maybe mm-hmm. go from the, the, the bravado to, to love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but how, how it would be hard to it would be hard to I, I imagine. I mean, I haven't acted in a very long time, but uh, I'm every day when I'm acting like I'm somebody I'm not. Every you know, but um, the uh, <laughs> put my mask on. Um, the uh, but I imagine it would be difficult to go from from acting like somebody who wants to woo, but for ignoble reasons to somebody who wants to woo for noble reasons. Like, how do you, yeah, how yeah. Do you that's shift that in your demeanor, the, the motive, that's a much better way of saying it. Behaving, right. Absolutely. Cause that's a much uh, more subtle change for sure. Yeah. But I think it's yeah. important. 
Mm-hmm. And there is no emotion of virtue. Virtue is, I mean, it may manifest yeah. itself in, in emotional ways, but you can't, unlike sadness, anger, pity, you can't really gesture virtue. You have to act that way or, you know, perhaps talk that way. But, but with Baptista, sorry, not with Baptista. Um, my gosh, where did his name go? With Petruchio. Uh, it is, a, it seems to me like the change that we're going to see in him is a change toward goodness. And of course that comes yeah. with a sort of softening, an emotional softening, but it does seem like his move, if Kate's move is going to be like the acceptance of the possibility that she can be loved, hmm. uh, it seems like his move has got to be, uh, maybe posturing isn't really, maybe I can't, shouldn't be going throughout my entire life in a posture. Maybe I should mm-hmm. actually like embrace being good. That's a novel idea. I'm going to embrace being good. It seems like that's, that's what his path is. And that is, I think, Matt, to your point, that's, e- that's, that's a little bit of a tougher, and also to your point, Noah, it's tougher yeah. to show. Yeah. But we do have three more acts to get him there. So he's, yeah, there's, there's a longer time for him to kind of like burn out of the posturing. Um, let's hear just a little bit of the movie version of Taming of the Shrew starring Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton from the scene that we've been discussing in act two. Myself am moved to woo thee for my wife. Moved? In good time. If him that moved you hit a remove, you hence. I knew you were the first. You were immovable. Why? What's immovable? A stool. Like this. Then sit on me. Oh! Asses are made to bear and so are you. <laughs> Women are made to bear and so no! are you. Not such a low as yours. Me, you mean. Nay, come, good Kate. I will not burden thee for knowing thee to be but young and light. That was Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton in the uh, the protagonist roles uh, in Taming of the Shrew. It, it occurs to me, you guys, that we launched this play knowing that Kate was difficult, right? Very, very difficult. And we have seen no counter evidence yet in the play that she is not difficult. Everything in the play says she's difficult. Do we ever get an explanation as to why? I mean, Nora, you mentioned some reasons earlier in the program. You know, she's like, it seems like she's been mistreated. Do we ever get an overt statement about why she is the way that she is? Um, and is it important to the play that we know the way that she is, that, that we know why she's so difficult? Matt, wh- what do you think? Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting question because, uh, you know, Nora has, Nora mentioned that about Baptista and being the villain. And, and I think I've suggested, if not come right out and said that I think Baptista is the cause of her not feeling like she can be loved and, and that I hold Baptista responsible. So then I'm and on the one hand, I'm saying we know why she's unpleasant because her father is a yeah. villain um, to her. But I, I like when I when I mentioned it before, I said if Nora is right, 
And that was an important thing to me because I don't actually know. Like, it's like, I think she is. I think you are, Nora. I'll talk about you in the first person, second person, not in third person. <laughs> um, and uh, I think you're right. And I think it's, it's, it's definitely important for how I interpret the play. Like it doesn't, the play doesn't make sense yeah. that she need, you know, that, that, that Petruchio is actually playing a positive role here. Then if she does, if it's not that, but I don't actually know for sure. I think because the most explicit statements about Baptista, Baptista mistreating Catherine all come from Catherine. That's um, true. That's right. True. So, you know, what, will you not suffer me? Nay, now I see she is your treasure. She must have a husband. Mm. I must dance barefoot on her wedding day. Mm. And for you to love her, lead apes in hell. Talk not to me. I will go sit and weep till I can find occasion of revenge. And his response is just, was ever gentleman thus grieved as I? Um, mm. And I mean, so like most of the things that we know about Baptista is either, is, is either coming, their accusations coming from Kate directly or sometimes things that we can kind of infer from the way he interacts with Bianca's suitors, with the, the, the bros on their way to the pub, as you put it earlier in the episode, Tim, um, the gentleman, uh, you know, his, some of the interactions he has with them, but otherwise I don't, we don't, we don't really know unless we trust Kate's commentary on her father. Right. I do, but I don't know why I do. I don't know if I should. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the only other alternative, right, if it's not Baptista that has, or if it's not some outside, um, you know, influence that's made Kate the way that she is, um, you know, the other explanation is that she's just a terrible person um, mm. who needs to be beaten down and uh, tamed. Um, and that's, you know, that's not a nice story. <laughs> um, and, and that's not as eloquent, right? Um yeah. But I think I think too the the scene that we talked about with Patricio and Kate. I mean, she's a smart woman. She's she's very intelligent. She's very witty, and um, and yeah, to be reduced to someone's older sister and a shrew, um, even even according to her own perspective. I mean, even if it is just her perspective that that's where it's coming from, isn't that enough of an explanation that that's the way that she feels about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me play I, devil's advocate. No, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say because of because of the conversation last week or yeah, last episode, I actually went and watched Ten Things I Hate About You. <laughs> Did you? Did you really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> had you seen it? But I can't remind me. Had you seen it before? Oh yeah, when it first came out a hundred years ago. Okay. Okay. I was, okay. You know, yeah. When I was actually uh, somebody that age. So um, was it like nineties? Uh-huh. Is that was yeah. late nineties? Yeah. No. <laughs> and I, um, I remember, I mean, I, okay, so I'm watching it and of course I've just read the play right for this and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, okay, they're taking a lot of liberties here Oh yeah. in, mm-hmm. in the way they interpreting the character's character. Um, the, uh, but what I thought was interesting was that they show, they show Baptista as somebody who desperately loves Kate and oh. it's actually, he's the one that's hurting because she's withdrawing from him. Like she wants yes. to go off to the East Coast to go to school. And he feels like, you know, we have this bond that she's trying to tear apart and he's the one that's hurting. But then she still sees him as like favoring 
Bianca, I think in the movie, right? She, she still yes. thinks of him as favoring Bianca, um, yes. but he, but he, but he does it. He's not presented as a father, like in the way he's presented himself, not just by her accusations or her perceptions. He's presented as somebody who loves both of them. Um, but one of them, you know, Kate perceives him as loving Bianca more. Bianca sees him as some tyrant who will never let her do anything. Right. Mm. <laughs> um, so I thought I thought that was interesting that he wasn't he wasn't the bad guy. He was just a well, I mean, maybe he was, but he was like misunderstood. Yeah, more, not as much. Bad, right. Certainly not as much. I don't think he yeah, he was, more than anything, he was just protective of his of his daughters mm-hmm. in the movie. What, mm-hmm. What's fun about that though is that is that like I'm watching a movie where they're taking a lot of liberties. I mean, they're modernizing it anyways, but um uh, they took a lot of liberties with the different characters, like even even the Patricio characters much different and is, I mean, there's some motives, there's some yeah. of that thriving and wiving motives, but, um, but also like he does things right off the bat, like, Oh, she doesn't like smoking. Okay. I'm going to quit smoking. Right. Right. Mm. I'll just not mm. smoke anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, which, you know, as somebody who has smoked, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. So smoke part of the uh, movie for you. <laughs> was that, was that the most implausible part of the, the yeah. movie? Most implausible part of the movie. Lost it. Lost it right there. Um, not yeah. possible. Um, but what I liked about it, though, is that it still made me think, okay, could I read Baptista this way in the play? Right? Like, mm. like it, op- it made me want to open my 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 mind to, have I, have I just, like, read it one way that when it could be read this other way, actually, and I'm just missing it, right? So I like that. I like doing that with sure. movies or the Shakespeare plays, right, to see that kind of opening of the possibilities and the potential, especially because Shakespeare is so brilliant that it's possible, right? For these yeah. kind of multiple. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It, it occurs to me, I was going to play devil's advocate and say, it occurs to me that like all three of us probably read behavior primarily through the lens of um, the health of familial relationships, you know, like, I think this is like, I think, think that this has been one of the real kind of like maybe more contemporary advancements that if a young person comes from a home where there's distrust, a lack of love and Mm. affection, and it shows up in behavior and sure, some people can kind of muscle through, but it just shows up in behavior. So I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, that's a, it's a pretty contemporary view of like family dynamics and individual action. And couldn't we just as easily say Shakespeare believed in the imbalance of bodily humors more than he believed in like healthy family dynamics as um, like the primary shaper of individual action. Like <laughs> Matt's, Matt's like, I have a rebuttal. I'm going to find the rebuttal. <laughs> it's somewhere it- here on my desk. It explains why Petruchio withholds food from her when he, when she finally comes to his house, right? He's trying to, he's withholding sleep and food and all these different environmental factors, right? Because it would, it would be part of that, that. Balancing her back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So (laughs) it's it's medicinal. And really, I mean, that's all women are. It's just like a formula. Like you got to get it, get it just right there. Right. It took me 25 years to figure that out, but I have figured that out. (laughs) When Patty's hangry, it's time to eat, and that's oh, like man. the sum and substance of the happiness of up. your uh, happiness of your marriage. I hope my wife did not listen to this. 
you wanted her to listen to it when you were like flowing with the compliments. <laughs> I'll tell her she's not all listen past the, uh, what is it? 45 minute mark. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Only the first 45 minutes. Um, Hey, you guys, we, I think it are like at a pretty good stopping place for act two. Um, act three, the wooing is of course going to continue and we've got now a wedding on the horizon. So the scene is set, like what's going to happen with these two, Petruchio and Kate, like they're now set up to be married, but it seems like it's completely under like false pretenses, even though both of them seem to want it. So what is Shakespeare going to do with this? I'm really curious to find out. Um, Listen, those of you who listen to the show, uh, I just want to remind you that you can find us on the Close Reads Facebook page, and we'll always, always got kind of on-running discussion about not only the books that we're reading on Close Reads, but also on the plays that we're discussing on this podcast, The Plays the Thing. I also want to encourage you, if you have not subscribed on through whatever podcast provider that you're on, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Outcast, what have you. Um, please subscribe and also give us a good rating. It really helps us show up more easily when people are searching for Shakespeare podcast or, um, you know, a, a novel reading podcast. Those ratings are really important to us. It takes three seconds to give us a good review. If you actually want to give us a good review, we'd really appreciate it. Um, we want to thank you again for joining us for act two, and we hope you will join us for act three of the taming of the shrew. Uh, for Nora, for Matt, I want to thank you and wish you, as always, happy reading. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.